You're listening to Fairpoint Podcast Live E3 2014 coverage, recorded last week in the heart of Syracuse, New York. Hey everybody, I'm Craig Lewis here with Fairpoint, trying to get the news, the whole scoop from E3, coming at you. We're here with Sega representative Nathan Kappeser talking about the new game coming out. What do we got? Hello Nathan, how you doing? Uh, I'm I'm doing good. I'm uh, yeah. Excited for all this E3 stuff going on. I can't believe it. I bet you're pumped to get the new game out there. Why don't you start talking about it right now? Well, this is my job, so you know. I mean, it's it's like a day in day out. Oh boy, wouldn't I love to have that job? I would love to be able to play video games all day. But here, I could just get paid to talk about them all day. So, anyways, what's the new game coming out? Um, well, we've got a new Sonic game coming out. Oh, that sounds Uh, like a blast to me. Well, that's actually the name, Sonic 3D Ultra Rainbow Mega Blast XD. Uh, (laughs) what we're basically trying to do here is we want to bring Sonic back to his roots. Well, I think what everybody wants to know is that, is it going to suck or not? Because a lot of the latest Sonic games have really blown chunks. And, uh, uh, would you say that that's your fault? That's, that's what we're trying. Would you say that that's your fault? That's what we're trying to address in this game here. It, enough, like, Sonic's gone off on all these different tangents, and every game is just so weird. So what we want to do is bring it back to its roots, and that's why in this game, Sonic has the ability to transform into a teapot and actually boil several different types of tea. Uh, there's chamomile power-ups, there's orange pico power-ups... There's uh, white tea, black tea, red tea. Of okay, course. so there's you got a ton of tea then. Uh, So what what does this have to do with the actual gameplay? Oh, the gameplay. It, it, well, it's all tea based. Well, what's it's... that? Oh, I'm sorry. We run out of time. We don't have much more time to talk about Sonic anymore. We got to go to the next representative. Fairpoint Live at E3 coverage has been brought to you by Fairpoint Podcast. Game up. Listen hard. We'll be right back with you after this short one to two hour message from our sponsors, Fairpoint Podcast. Check out anything cool from the E3 uh, trailers, and I watched a few things last night, actually. Oh yeah, uh, few, are they are they awesome? Things? By the you know how fast E3 goes. By the time this episode airs, E3 is old news. There's going to be so much more. They already have half the about. half the trailers. I saw them uh, post for games that are already like web ads for for internet videos now. Right. So I saw a few things. What'd you see? Well, or rather, what? piqued your interest oh things that piqued my interest i'd like to ascertain what type of things piqued your interest keg well, if i I'm, may ascertain that i'm not sure why you're still using that word why you're continuously using that word i, but I just would like to ascertain what you've ascertained from e3 coverage see when, when you say that it, it makes me want to not listen to you anymore <laughs> why are you having trouble ascertaining what i'm saying 
Well, I don't it's not, it's not so much why you wouldn't want to ascertain what I'm saying. See, I'm just not ascertaining why you keep saying ascertain. There was a teaser for a new Mass Effect game that has me excited. You know how big of a Mass Effect fan I am. Yeah, uh, is it Mass Effect Four or is it Mass Effect Side Quest? <laughs> no, they've or... already they've already drained us of all our <laughs> DLC money and side quest. Not side releases. quest. What's the word for like a I don't know side entry? You know. Oh yeah, I think it's gonna be like a maybe a different story. They made it seem like you check out whole new worlds and stuff you never seen before. Did you see anything about No Man's Sky? No Man's Sky. Yeah, like three, No Man's three separate Land, word. but No Man's Sky. I haven't. Oh my god, dude! It's a PlayStation exclusive. Ah, probably why I didn't see it. it I'm being I'm being uh, console biased right now. It looks beautiful i it is a first person game and i'm not big into first person games so it is very As interesting how into either. it i am uh goes to show you that you can make anything good or at least appealable to certain types of people if you approach it from a certain angle well did you ascertain what this game's about from what i can gather it's an open world game and everything is generated by the computer so it's not set up and mapped out by anybody. Uh, it's it's spacefaring game. Everybody that plays gets a planet that is completely generated by the computer, and it's not they're not all the same. You know what I mean? The setup is different. The environments are different. The wildlife is different. The flora and fauna. You can completely explore the environment of the planets. You can go underwater. You can no go boundaries. Above. You can get in your spaceship and go out in space. There's space battles. It is beautiful. It's hard to describe because what's so beautiful about it is just, oh, and it's like, it's all about discovery. Like you, the people who are playing will be the ones who are discovering and mapping out this world because like it was showing like new species discovered and there were these giant dinosaur looking motherfuckers. And then it's like, if you find an area that's already discovered, it says who discovered it. Uh, it, it looks awesome. I'm, I'm hoping it's cool. Yeah, that seems interesting. It's when you say they're mapping it out, they're like the first person ever to traverse this part. Yes, to go there and see it. Yeah, exactly. But every, I think it's that everybody who plays starts with their own planet to start. Right, and from. then you move to like another person's planet. Yeah, you can go exploring, and there's probably other planets. Like I, I don't know, man. That's fucking cool. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. The, the thing uh, is, though, all too often these indie games come out that look beautiful and spectacular, and they turn out to be like, yeah, it's cool to mess around with for a couple minutes, but, but then it doesn't it live lost up my to attentions. yeah, it's initial expectations. I have another Xbox One. And just for the record, I'm not just only checking out Xbox stuff. It just at the time I was looking at E3, I was on my Xbox. So obviously they're only going to give me Xbox related news. The bastards. <clears throat> How dare they? But it's called Project Spark. And it's similar in that you're mapping out your own game, whatever. But the difference is the user is basically creating their own game and inviting people on their friends list and stuff to come and play the game that they created. And I find that completely fascinating. I love uh, it. Is this Xbox exclusive? I assume it is. Because it's all exclusive. Xbox exclusive. <laughs> no. <laughs> Fail. Uh, it just it seems cool that you know basically it gives the the player the chance to make what they want and then invite other people to play their game. But at the same time, it feels like isn't that what programmers are paid to do to to make a game for us to play? So we don't have to make it ourselves. Nah, it's me being a jerk. 
<laughs> it's cool to offer people these building tools, though. Yeah, you know, it, so it's, it's not it's just like people a, that know how to hack ROMs, right? And and it is, and, and you get something better than Minecraft graphics. I'm really kind of interested for there's Mario Maker coming out. Have Maker you seen anything Mario's, of that? Huh? No. You can make your own Mario game, and it shows you making it. It's in the classic uh, Mario Brothers graphics, and you're setting it up. And then when you go to play it, it's in the brand new 3D looking oh, really? side scroller, like the new Mario Brothers Wii game. Oh my god, dude! It, I can't wait to be able to make my own Mario games. That's fucking cool. <laughs> and to play other people's that. levels online, like without having to download ROMs and have these ratings to and see I whether it's a shitty level. And I assume this is Wii U exclusive. Yes. Uh, there's a few Wii U games that at least caught my eye. Toad has a game coming out. Uh, what's it? Captain Toad's Treasure Tracker or something? I'm not. I'm going to be honest with you. That doesn't sound interesting to me at all. <laughs> it looks like it's kind of puzzle-based. Like the levels remind me of They revamped like, Dr. Mario. It reminds me of like Mario Galaxy meets Super Mario 3D Land meets, meets. Donkey Kong. Like meets. The, the original Donkey Kong like uh, for the arcade. The ported version of it to the Game Boy. Yeah. Um, very specific. I don't know. It, it looks like each level will kind of have a puzzle that you have to figure out or something like that. Entertaining. Kind of like a maze. Sounds a little better than what I initially thought. And but... there's a Yoshi game. I love Yoshi's Island is one of my favorite all-time games. That Super Nintendo game where you got Baby Mario on your yep. back. And I love that they're suddenly doing all these other games in the spirit of that. But it's another one of these yarn games, like these texture-based games Nintendo does. Like, get over it. I'd rather just see a real fucking Yoshi and Mario running around. Uh, uh, also, it seems like Nintendo's not really bringing out much that isn't Mario, Smash Brothers, or Zelda. Did you hear about the, I think they're called Amiibos? Little Skylander Disney Infinity toys for Nintendo? Oh, okay. Supposedly, they'll be cross-platform well, not cross-platform, but uh, no. With all sorts of Nintendo games. They were talking about how they work in Smash Brothers, but apparently you'll be able to upload them and use them in all sorts of different games. Huh. And it's classic Nintendo characters. No way. It's interesting. The new Legend of Zelda game, open world. Yeah. Looks beautiful. Uh, unless it's going to be on the 3DS, I'll probably never play it. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, dude. I mean, in regards to the Wii U, I'm starting to seriously consider badgering my roommate to buy one. Boo, Nathan. <laughs> Boo. Other thing that I'm extremely excited for is I saw a trailer for Lego Batman 3, and they didn't give you much detail, but it's Batman in a new spacesuit contemplating life. Oh, looking really? Over, yeah, looking over the galaxy in front of the watchtower while Superman's kind of bugging him. Okay. That that's something to look out for. Batman um, in space. Now, things that I'm not necessarily excited for that Xbox is coming out with, I have two of them. Uh there was one game that I was like, "Oh, this looks kind of cool. You're fighting dragons and shit." And then like you take the dragon's form or something. Like like you Still you, you cool. fight him. When the guy struck the dragon, uh his body like kind of changed. It got scale armor. But not until after he put on a pair of headphones. So I'm starting to think that this game is somehow mixed with uh, with a little bit of corporate kickback by Beats by Dre, maybe. Perhaps, really? You know, they're like, here, just just make it a Beats by Dre game and uh, dragons. Yeah. 
So that's the only thing that threw me off. Cause like, yeah, it's just, it's like, all was right, it beats I'm by ready Drake? for you. No, <laughs> it looked like them. <laughs> it might not have been really them, but, but you think it's, it probably has some type of marketing tie in. Yeah, it has to because, oh yeah, this is awesome. Hold on. And then you just like, puts on his headphone and then he just transforms into this arm this armored clad turns knight. into an ipod commercial <laughs> he starts shaking around yeah, he's nothing but a silhouette <laughs> it's called Scalebound. i'll probably um, stay away from it and god damn it why do we have to go and make another fucking fable game the first fable excellent classic the second fable meh the third fable God, why even try? Don't even bother. Just pack your shit up and go back. And now let's just keep going for it and make it a, like a World of Warcraft co-op type thing. It seemed more like an MMO. Yeah. What I saw, at least. I'm done with you, Fable. I'm done with the Land of Albion. Sequels, man, they sell. People are going to buy that shit. And they will. Didn't get my money. Not after the first one. I bought the Lost Chapters. And as you said, sequels, there is also going to be, for some reason, an arcade version of Dead Rising 3 with all the characters, and you can like transform into different Capcom cosplayers. I was just about to ask, did you see, it's the Capcom 31st anniversary thing? Is that what you're talking yeah, about? The DLC? Yeah. It's, oh my yeah, God, it's Dead Rising ridiculous. 3 DLC. Yeah, no, nothing, like, uh, nothing like running around killing zombies and seeing a zombie giant M. Bison. Right, it's it's pretty cool looking. I don't know, it's weird. It's it's, it's a cool looking, wild but at trailer. The same time as it, there was no reason for it to be like zombies or Dead Rising. You could have just fucking made an arcade game with Capcom characters. You know, like thirty first anniversary, they're all getting together. No, instead it's fucking Mr. West. I forget his Frank West. Yeah, dressed up as Chun Li or Mega Man. No, screw you guys. <laughs> Well, if there's anything we missed that you thought was awesome or anything you think we're wrong about, send us an email at fairpointpodcast at yahoo.com. Or hit us up on the Facebook and let us know there, facebook.com slash fairpointpodcast. Yeah, if you want to be mainstream about it. Okay, so I know you don't like it. Personally, you know I don't like it either, but we have to talk about it. Uh... New movie posters have come out for Michael Bay's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Did you see them? Is that a no? Is that a maybe? I, I think saw, you've given up. I saw that they've come out, and I did not click on the article. Ah. Not out of spite, but that just goes to show you how much he's lost my interest, that I'm not even that captivated by the train wreck. Well, I feel like I had to at least check them out to be fair to because there are still people surprisingly that want to see this movie get made well the movie's but, made so well i mean see it come out and want it to be out and are happy that it's going to exist frankly if you ask me i say just you know you want your turtles fix watch the nickelodeon cartoon because i guarantee you it's so much better and it's authentic and it's true to the comic too so well more true than this movie probably will be but people get older and rather than being like, now I'm going to devote my time to the things that have better writers and are more well-written and you know better constructed stories and more faithful to the spirit of the franchise and the source material, they're like, 
Well, now I'm older. I don't watch that kids' cartoon shit. I'm gonna watch the movies with the dubstep sound and trailers and the fucking gritty. Yeah, because it looks edgy. live action. I don't want to have to think about things. I just want to watch a popcorn flick and explosions, boom, explosions. Uh, well, anyways, well, Nathan, I think I found a man that uh, would probably. Would What's prob- your man got to do with me? I got a man. I'm not trying to hear that, see? Fresh. <laughs> no, uh, do you remember a few weeks ago, you were talking about the high elf? Yeah, was, baby, show yeah, you right. This guy is probably, you know, I, he's probably related if you ask me. I don't know. Uh, in Brighton, England, this man is offering his services as a dragon slayer. Yes. Yes, he's actually posting classified ads and getting calls about it to to come slay dragons in oh yeah in, in england yeah uh his name is how's vincent his, whitaker how's his track record Any according to him spotless slayers? oh yeah yeah he said he's uh slain three dragons already really yes and uh he only wants serious people calling him up for his services because he's got a couple that turned out to be large cats uh, that did not please Please, the dragon slayer at all. We're not even talking about like a a mountain lion or an alien big cat. We're just talking about a large house cat that was prowling the neighborhood, bullying the other cats. Right, right, right. It's slightly bigger than the other ones. He calls these people time wasters. You're just, come on, you're just wasting this guy's time. If you don't got a real dragon to take care of, they're wasters of time. Wasters of my precious time. Oh, he also had to add in he doesn't believe in imaginary places like Hogwarts. You think it is the joke? You think it is the joke? That yes, I, it is the joke. That I slay dragons. Yes. I tell you it is the joke. You, my fine friend, you is the joke. <laughs> I bid you good day. But I, I bid you good day. This guy, this, this fucking guy here, he, he thinks that... Uh, he said a dragon destroyed his ice cream truck. Hold up, that that's not even that's an unrelated story <laughs> to this. That is the best superhero backstory ever. How did you become a dragon slayer? It all start excuse me. It all started on that fateful night. My ice cream truck destroyed before my very eyes I was just a boy. By a dragon they cold hearted. Nay! Twas without a heart. Oh, uh, anyways, lastly, just to top everything off, he has made a suit of armor with a chest plate from the hood of his Ford Fiesta. <laughs> like, oh my god, that's an Ikado car, you dumbass! It's not gonna stop dragon breath. You are left now, but you will see. Yeah, yeah. When your dragon, when you have a dragon in your backyard, or your cat is being bullied by some dog or some. Rabid raccoon, then who you call? I tell you who you will call. You will call me. And then who will have the last laugh? I doubt it. I doubt it very much. Basically, I'm just saying, get out of me country, you dumb Frenchie. Huh? That was my what the fuck story. Nice one's animal news. Yes. But Craig, do you have any animal news? I feel like we've been severely lacking in the animal news department. Well, Nathan, I'm glad you asked. I do I'm have some I animal news. Uh, in Loro Park, a zoo in Spain, they were running drills in like it was a separate authorized 
personnel only area. They had someone dressed up like a gorilla and try to escape. And, you know, they're practicing what do you do if a gorilla breaks loose. <laughs> and somebody that wasn't part of the drill oh my God. but was a vet on staff shot the man up with a trank dart. Oh, my God. He, he thought couldn't it was a real tell gorilla? the difference between a man in a gorilla suit and an actual 400-pound gorilla. Boy, like, all I got to say is Spirits Halloween has outdone themselves with their costumes. <laughs> all right. Well, we're here for our safety drills, eh? And, uh, of course, Craig, you're going to be the gorilla. Now, you've, we've all voted Craig to be the gorilla. But, but, but I don't want to be the gorilla. Oh, I, somebody's got to be the gorilla. Well, I mean, well, we, can't can't have a, we can't have a safety. Well, oh, we can't have a safety drill without a gorilla. Now, can we, Craig? Well, well yeah, but I mean, why don't we use a real gorilla? Or, or Frank. Frank wants to be a gorilla. Or, or, or better yet, we could just go over the procedure. Oh, calm down, Craig. All these tranks are blanks. But, but what if I get shot? The tranks are blanks, eh? But the needles are two and a half inches long. They're blanks, eh? Now, now, on the sound of the horn, the running of the gorillas. Boom! I I, I don't even have my pants on yet. (laughs) Oh, you said they were blanks. I'm allergic to this tranquilizer dart. And true story, the guy that got shot was allergic to the trank. I was kind of channeling uh, Scott Thompson's Bauer there a little bit. Yeah. He's no Jack Bauer, but he sure is a Bauer. Maybe an Eddie Bauer. Now, that would be a crossover. Well, that's funny, because whenever I do a Canadian accent, I, uh, I kind of try to channel uh, Rick Moranis from SNL <laughs> days when they do the hosers. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's who I channel when I do Canadian, eh? Oh, yeah. I like the hockey teams because they're just better than basketball. But anyways, at, at the end, when you know, I said I was allergic to the tranquilizer, that's what really happened. The guy that got hit was allergic to it. And he got beef flown to a nearby hospital. And uh, he's okay now, but uh, let's just say they'll never do one of those drills without making sure everybody's informed on, uh, Jesus Christ, on what's going on. The fuck? The fuck out of here. You get the fuck out of here. I fucking love Kids in the Hall. I have my whole life. I grew up watching Kids in the Hall. What are your feelings on Kids in the Hall, Craig? What's your experience with Kids in the Hall? Um, I enjoy it. I, I definitely, I really like the show. I cannot say that I enjoy it as much as you. I haven't seen everything of it. When I was a teenager, it was on Comedy Central a lot, uh, yes. reruns. So I would see those, but it'd be more like filler until something I really cared about was on. Um, I've had more of an appreciation for it later in my life. I definitely think they're hilarious now. Um, the guys are great, all of them. Yeah, I mo- most of my experiences watching it on Comedy Central as well. 
when it aired on HBO, you know, here in the States, that was in the early 90s. I was a very young child. Yeah. I didn't, that was after midnight that they aired it. So, yeah. Comedy Central, they played it nonstop throughout they the did. 90s. They did. Uh, and as far as it being on HBO, one, I didn't have HBO. Two, by the time the series was over, I was only 10. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Comedy Central had, had a way with killing shows almost, like beating them at you for four hours a day, nonstop re- repeats. And, uh, you know, just. But luckily, they had five seasons of Kids Thank in the God. Hall to go through. Thank God. And then they also had Strangers with Candy to throw on after it. So that was a show that I hated. I despised Me when too. it was on the air. But once I got older and gave it a second look, it's actually fucking brilliant. Yeah, I yeah, haven't good. done that. All I know is I liked uh, Stephen Colbert's character in that show. So the kids in the hall, the name actually comes from Jack Benny. Uh, he would blame jokes that didn't really go over well on the kids in the hall. Who was he was referring to this group of young comedians that would hang around the hallways and Writers. try to sell him jokes. Yeah. yeah, and Woody Allen was actually one of those kids. Huh. That's interesting little um, tidbit there. <clears throat> So Kevin McDonald and Dave Foley, along with a few other people, were the original troupe that called themselves the Kids in the Hall. They were doing a lot of sketch comedy around Toronto and ended up merging with Bruce McCullough and Mark McKinney's group known as The Audience, who were in Calgary doing theater sports. Yeah, and another member of that group was future Kids in the Hall and Saturday Night Live writer Norm Hiscock. Do you think uh, he got bullied growing up with the last name of Hiscock? Just mindless thoughts. I'm immature, I know. It's possible. But they're things I think about. So the core members of that group were the ones who ended up sticking around and kind of becoming the main group. Yeah. Eventually, when Scott Thompson joined in 1985, he was a comedian that was part of the comedy troupe The Love Cats. Okay. Uh, that's when the lineup was finalized. Kevin McDonald, Dave Foley... Scott Thompson, Bruce McCullough, and Mark McKinney. The kids in the hall. They are the kids in the hall. Yeah, and these guys were all great. Did you have a favorite kid in the hall? No. It's it's hard to say. It really is. Like... I've had varying opinions. Uh, I really like Kevin McDonald. Yep. I really like Dave Foley. Me too. (laughs) I really like Scott Thompson. I would have to say my favorite is really probably like Bruce. Bruce McCullough. Bruce McCullough is probably my favorite. <laughs> and Mark McKinney is really cool, too. Yeah, they're all Those good. are probably my favorites. Uh, those are <laughs> all five of them are your favorites, so you don't have a well, favorite. Well, that's what I mean. Like, whenever I try to pick, I'm like, well, well, wait, but no, well, wait. Well, a little exactly. tidbit. If you ask them, they will all say that Kevin McDonald is the funniest one of them, and he's the genius. Growing up, I feel like he was probably my favorite as a kid. Yeah. Uh, they did break up for a short time in 1985. Oh, uh, no. Mark McKinney and Bruce McCullough went off to New York to become writers for Saturday Night Live. Uh, but that didn't really work out that well, so they ended up reuniting in 1986. Interesting story, actually. 30 Helens Agree. Do you know that sketch that they do? I 30 do. Helens Agree, and then you see 30 yeah. Helens, 30 ladies standing out in the field that are all named Helen. Yeah, except and for the one time that... Oh, yeah, that was uh, 29 Helens agreed. Punctuality is very important. And the 30th Helen was (laughs) Was late. late. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) brilliant. Uh, That was originally proposed as a commercial for Saturday Night Live by Bruce McCullough. 
And it was like, 30 Helens agree. You should watch Saturday Night Live. And they were like, what the fuck are you thinking? That's not funny. So then Lauren Michaels. Get the Michaels, fuck out of my office. Yeah, so then Lauren Michaels was like, why don't you do that on your own show that I'm going to give you? Yeah, he <laughs> saw them performing after they decided to go back and reunite in 1986. And, hey, gave him an opportunity to form a TV show. And in 1988, their pilot special aired on CBC Ooh, and in the U.S. Canada. on HBO. And uh, the series debuted in 1989. So while they had been doing all these live sketches, now they had a TV show. And it was a mixture of film and live sketches. Right. Which I think, to me, now, it would have been awesome to like grow up around Toronto and to be, be able to be go one and of those guys that was being the audience out with that bohemian punk rock crowd going to see kids in the hall on fucking Fridays at the Rivoli. Oh my God. If you were, listen, if but, you were a teenager in the eighties in Toronto, you would be in fucking heaven. <laughs> but I, I, so you I, personally, I, I Nathan, <laughs> I don't have that experience, but one of the things that really drew me to kids in the hall over Saturday night live, for example, was the way that there were all these filmed sketches. A lot of them were very artsy, like very fucking art film, like indie film. I, I, I like it. Like yeah, both both like, in uh, sense of humor and depiction. Like the way they're filmed, like it's a beautiful fucking show. Are you talking about like the Hitchcock esque like sausage one? Where, where the, the sausage one is the I want sausage. That's the example of it maybe going a little too far. Yeah. But uh, it's gotta go a little too far at least once. That's the kids in the hall. That's what Bruce they do. Bruce McCullough you know? actually said that that sketch alone almost broke them up. Because, like, <laughs> he had wanted to start writing. They were just like, no, man, it's too long. It is not enough payoff for what we're doing. Like, <laughs> I, I know what you're saying. Another thing but, that might have drawn you more to the kids in the hall than to Saturday Night Live at the time was maybe because the comedy had a little more, like, Monty Python-esque flair to it than, yeah, than and, pop culture Saturday Night Live. I like Monty Python, but I was never hugely drawn to them. I... Kids in the Hall is my favorite. Those are that's probably the trinity of sketch comedy right there. Saturday Night Live, Kids in the Hall, and Monty Python. Well, what else is there? Whose line is it anyways? Oh, I don't a, think so. Well, that's improv. There, there are other sketch comedy shows. You know, shows. Yeah. That, that were very good. In li- I mean, oh, in Living Color. In I Living Color. About in Living Color. All that. All that. I think all the that. whitest kids you know is. I don't know. I. I can't get into miss. it. I can't get into it. Maybe everything I've seen from it has. I just unlucky to see all the misses. There's but, a couple sketches that I really love. Uh, but I do remember checking it out and people being like, oh, it's like Saturday Night Live. And I'm thinking like it's more like a not funny version of Kids in the Hall. Because <laughs> it's, you know, the same five people or whatever. It's not Isn't the it? same five no? people. They have a huge rotating cast like Saturday Night Live. Oh, I meant it's not the same five people that did Kids in the Hall. <laughs> No, 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 no. The same. It's just the same five people in Whitest Kids You Know <laughs> like, that are doing the Whitest oh, Kids You it's Know. It's kind of like Kids in the Hall. I mean, for one, it's starring Kevin McDonald, <laughs> Bruce McCullough, yeah, Mark McKinney, Scott Thompson, and Dave Foley. And... What a ripoff. They're just ripping themselves <laughs> off. Like, No, um, in contrast to like the film sketches, too, like the live stuff. Still gives it that authenticity of like sketch comedy and it validates the laugh track. Because even though when they're doing a filmed sketch, you're a little distracted by the laughing, you can think maybe they actually showed this to an audience and right. prompted them when to laugh. But still, you know, and obviously the live sketches were hearing people laugh. So I don't know. It, it adds the authenticity there enough to... Usually a laugh track distracts me a lot. 
So Yeah, well, if it's an authentic laugh track, it's not so distracting. <laughs> now you applause. Oh, is that what we're supposed to do? I thought Woo! I was supposed to boo. The theme song of the show was Having an Average Weekend by Shadowy Men on a Shadowy Planet. I like it. It's very, very 90s. It's very Toronto. Yeah. Listen to that song and then listen to like... Broken Social Scene. The Surf Song by Broken Social Scene. Like, it's, it's very Toronto. It, it's got that feel. Even that far back. Everything about the whole show is very 90s to me. Yes. It screams 90s from the hairstyles to like the uh, the way they do the intro graphics and whatnot. And just like I always the like the opening theme. Yeah. Like it, it's cool. As a kid, honestly, like subconsciously, I think that was one of the things that I liked about it was that like Saturday Night Live was, OK, these are all these different comedians and they're coming together and doing these sketches. Oh, yeah. I know that guy from movies. I know that guy from movies. This was like, I don't know who the fuck these guys are, but I see them in the theme song and it just seems like they're like these five friends, like me and my friends yeah. walking around and they're Made fucking you feel with like each you could have done and, that. No, but I don't know, like maybe it made it a little more accessible and like, oh, that's cool. These guys are friends and it's just them through five seasons. There's not like a rotating cast. It's this is a legitimate. Right. I didn't know then, you know, a lot about like comedy troops and stuff like that. I was just a kid watching. I will crush your head on TV and shit. Like, yeah. I do not hate all people. Just ninety nine point nine 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 percent of them. I crush your head. You flathead from now on. Yeah. Also, I'm surprised that uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe it was the fact that Lorne Michaels gave him a lot more freedom of what they were doing. But, like, he, the reason why SNL was a rotating cast the way it was because he kept firing people. <laughs> like, <laughs> really? Yeah. Like, mo- most of, like, the famous people from SNL that left didn't leave of their own accord. They were fired. Chris Farley was fired. David Spade was fired. Uh, Adam Sandler was fired. Dan Aykroyd was fired. Chevy Chase was fired. Okay. Wow. It gives you permission to go make more money with your life, I guess. God, could you imagine if they fired one of the kids in the hall? Yeah. All right, Scott Thompson, you're out of here. Jimmy Fallon, you're the new fifth member of the kids in the hall. Yeah. Try, try looking at that smirk and no, I wanted to punch Scott him. Scott Thompson, he's the gay one. Okay, I'm sorry. David Foley, you're going to have to go now. I'm sorry. You Scott Thompson, you're we're going to lose one third of our fan base now. All right, so let's take a look at the five members of the kids in the hall. We got number let's. one, Dave Foley. Ah, yes, Dave Foley. Some of you might know him better from Celebrity Poker Showdown on Bravo. Probably don't. Not Probably me. only me. <laughs> because even poker fans were like, fuck this. Dulé Hill playing poker? <laughs> uh, who cares? <laughs> Dave Foley's the uh, bright-eyed young whippersnapper that plays Hecubus, the axe murderer. Uh, he plays the straight man in a lot of things, too. Yes. Dave, I, I always thought Dave Foley was really cool, too. Uh, yeah. His monologues, I always liked his monologues. The, oh, like the... the uh, bad doctor? Uh, I was going to say the uh, cause of cancer monologue. Oh, that, that was great. That was brilliant. That was so great. <laughs> if you, We're not going to spoil it. We don't want to ruin the punchline of the joke, but... Look up the kids in the hall, the cause of cancer. Basically, it's short. Yeah, too, so it, it's short. The comedy troupe figured out the cause of cancer or in the early 90s. Who would have thought it? And they uh, they made the statement on one of their episodes. And you can find that sketch on YouTube, I'm sure. What is it? The pit of ultimate 
Despair or something, where it was Simon and Hecubus. The Pit of Ultimate Darkness. Yes. Uh, that was great. That was Dave Foley and Kevin McDonald. that yeah. public access Satanist show. <laughs> So classic, so fucking amazing. Um, Dave Foley, believe it or not, was a high school dropout. Uh, really? Yeah. He seems he, like a smart guy. I'm he. I'm sure he is. He definitely is a smart guy. Uh, Wasn't too smart if he didn't get his grade 11, eh? He, uh, he did stand-up comedy for a little while and then ended up meeting Kevin McDonald. Kevin McDonald got him a job as an usher at the local art house movie theater. And then they started doing the kids in the hall. Oh, uh, you also might know him from news radio. Uh, he plays Dave Nelson. That role was specifically written for him. Really? That's awesome. Because when it aired, when it was on, you know, primetime or if it was primetime, I don't know. I never watched it, never cared for it as a late teenager, like almost 18 or so. They used to play, it got syndicated and it was played on TBS and I used to watch that all the time on there, and I loved it. Phil Hartman, Stephen Root, uh, Dave Foley. It was just Joe Rogan. Yeah, <laughs> like I never really watched it, man. It, I, I it guess was I it was out. legitimately funny. You should, uh, if you get a chance, you try to find it because it, it is funny. Phil Hartman is great in that show. He's perfect for like somebody being a news radio personality. He also voiced Flick in A Bug's Life, which is oh. really cool. Also in Toy Story Two. Flick appeared in the blooper reels at the end. At the end? Um, and there's a car modeled after Flick in Cars, which I will never watch, but the internet tells me it's true. You'll never watch Cars? Never. Oh, I've seen it. Thankfully, I haven't had to sit through Cars 2 or Planes. Never. Not even once. That's the slogan, Craig. Repeat Cars! It. <laughs> Not, Not even, even once. <laughs> Uh, he also co-wrote and starred in the 1997 movie The Wrong Guy, uh, which was a comedy. The whole premise was about this guy gets fired from his job, and as he's being dragged out of the building by security, he shouts at his boss, I'll kill you, you know, just in a fit of anger. And later yeah. that day, his boss is actually murdered. And he's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> so he's trying to flee the country. And I guess that is actually based on a sketch that he had proposed for Kids in the Hall that never saw the light of day. So they turned it into a feature-length movie. Uh, He's in Fallout New Vegas. He voices he? a robot called the Yes Man. I never played Fallout, huh. but... Um, I didn't play much of Fallout New Vegas. Uh, but he was in the South Park movie, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. Yeah, he did the Baldwin Brothers, right? Yeah. Yeah. That short, short cameo. And uh, last year, 2013, he did a stand-up special relatively well. It's pretty funny. I'd say it's relatively funny. Oh, uh, also, um, if we're talking new, he was in Monsters University, too. Played Terry Perry. No shit. That's pretty yeah. cool. I haven't seen Monsters University yet. Have you? Me neither. I hear it's all right. He's also apparently got a new series called Spun Out, which Ooh. stars him as the head of the DLPR, um, a public relations firm staffed with people who, quote-unquote, can spin everybody's problems but their own. I haven't watched it. I if you haven't spin gathered. everybody's problems but their own. Next up, we have The Man Who Knows Many Daves, or a few Daves, <laughs> if it will be. Don't uh, we all? Bruce McCullough. My personal favorite, as I said before. Other than Kids in the Hall, he got himself into 
he actually directed a couple movies that became big. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Stealing Harvard with yeah. Tom Green and uh, Luke Jason Wilson. Lee. Jason Lee. Luke Wilson. Come on, Whatever, Craig. Man. Jason Lee. Hey, haven't seen the movie in forever, and it sucked anyways, okay? so Also Superstar. Also, the yeah. The Saturday Night Live movie. I almost said Tita Fey. Oh, jeez. <laughs> it's funny. No, Molly Shannon. Uh, he's also released two albums, Shame-Based Man in 1995 and Drunk Baby Project in 2002. Interesting. Interesting. Great well, name for an album. He did always say he was more passionate about music than uh, than comedy. And like he always tried to put music into the comedy, which is weird because he doesn't play an instrument or anything like that. But He is one of the funniest members like on the show. Like His performances... Oh, yeah. A lot of times, too, it's almost like if you really want to get down to it, sometimes it it's like he's not even trying. But, exactly. like, that even makes yeah. it funnier, like, but, sometimes. Like, like uh, it's... earlier I was watching a clip, one of his uh, shorts as Gavin, the, yeah. the little, little boy that just rambles on about nonsense. And it, it was I was dying. And, like, you know, you got these two – police officer trying to play the straight man to somebody that's not even looking at oh, them the two police officers <laughs> and, and oh like, you're, these were two different police officers though because i love the yeah these were the police officer two different that police he officers. played with mckinney i believe it was uh i believe it was mckinney and mcdonald kevin okay. and mark okay uh but mark was playing a female officer okay and yeah, they were just like asking him where his dad. They're like, oh, they found out his dad was uh, was arrested for scalping hockey tickets, so that's why he's sitting there in the police station. And he's just like, if you give me a playing card, I could show you exactly what a bug's life is like. <laughs> like, ooh, was that a prediction that Dave Foley was going to be in a bug's life, dude? Did you hear about the prediction that Dave Foley made on uh, Kids in the Hall? Yes, but I think he should tell me and. He predicted Glenn Beck before Glenn Beck. Like, in 1994... He predicted Glenn Beck would exist? In 94, he did this sketch about the Russians and the commies, and he was acting like Glenn Beck. Totally acting like Glenn Beck. Ages before that show. And at the end, like, somebody says something, and and they're like, you're clever or something. He's like, yeah, just like a... And then he pauses, and then he's like, Fox! Uh, which is like, whoa, there's, it's on YouTube. You can find an interview with him on the news on YouTube about it. And he's just like, yeah, that's fucking crazy. <laughs> but yeah, back weird. to uh, Bruce McCullough. Dude. Yeah. Uh, he also played um, Bobby Terrace, the fucking grunge nineties, like uh, generation X dude. Yeah. He's always, uh, um, he was always rebelling against roll, something. Rebelling. Yeah. I'll take out the trash mom. But he loves her ham steaks. And he ended up getting in a uh, battle with the devil in his garage. Uh, oh, yeah. He beat him off. in a rock battle. Yeah, it was a guitar battle. Predictions for Guitar Hero? Nah. Also, who can forget Cabbage Head? No, they can't forget me because I got a cabbage for a fucking head. Yeah, hey, uh, don't worry about me, toots. I'm the king of the pity fuck. <laughs> you would always try to get... Kids will pick on me. So so how about you and me? We go uh we go do the mommy and daddy dance, huh? 
<laughs> I love the one when, yeah, because he's always trying to get, he's basically a man that was born with a cabbage for a head. Yeah. For like hair, kind of like the top of his head. It was cabbage. And he uses that to try to like get pity to like get so women, women would to sleep, sleep with, with him. him. And he's just this misogynist fucking douchebag. And he always, he's like, talks about how he had a bad childhood because of his cabbage head. And uh, I love the one where he, he like, uh, he says something and he's like, come on, it means I had a bad childhood. <laughs> and I think it was Kevin McDonald playing the woman. And, and he's like, so did everybody. That's how childhood works. Oh. And he's like, oh, she's good. <laughs> <laughs> there was uh there was one where he had a near-death experience, and he was talking with God, and, and it turned out God also had a cabbage for a head. <laughs> yes. In the Kids in the Hall universe. Yeah. God created cabbage head. In his own likeness, mm-hmm. literally, and everybody else in some other likeness. I don't know. <laughs> he was also very hip and very cool. And at the time, 45. <laughs> when he was really like, what, 25? When he was really, yeah, 20-something. Yeah, oh my god. He played the older characters great too. The uh the married couple, him and Scott Thompson. Yes. Um like that I'm sorry, would you drop the ham and salt <laughs> and everything? Like he's so he plays the cranky old dude, the uh he he's definitely one of the funniest members. No disrespect to the rest of them. Then there's Mark McKinney, uh the only member to actually be a cast member on Saturday Night Live. Cuz apparently that's the big thing. Uh, he was, he joined SNL in the middle of the 94, 95 season. Yeah. Uh, you might remember him as the, the, the big tall guy that plays chicken lady. <laughs> oh my God. The first time I saw chicken lady, I I was, I couldn't contain myself. It, it was so funny and so jarring and so weird that like. Really? Yeah. Like, Chicken Lady's not one of my favorite sketches, really? but I still have well, I loved tons it. Actually, of respect. I like, loved it more for when the reaction Lady, shots of like yes, the straight man. That's it, dude. It. The Chicken Lady uh, sketches were the sketches where the straight man is the person making you laugh. Right, because it's just like, let's let's say Dave Foley you know, shows up for a blind date, and she's like, I said I'm the Chicken Lady. And then he's just like, yeah, I, I didn't take the chicken lady part literally. <laughs> yes, she's delivering all the jokes, and he's just reacting and just like, oh, my God, just being the normal guy. But that's what's hilarious and, about and it. And his performance is what really – yeah. It's, so that is great, and that's a great aspect to have of the character. It's interesting, too, because originally she was just a throwaway gag at the end of another sketch. Yeah. Where um, there was a guy at the freak show who could make his nose bleed on command. And he was on his lunch break, and these kids kept pestering him and pestering him to get his nose to bleed. And he's like, I'm, I'm not working. I'm on my lunch break. And eventually he tells him to go see the chicken lady. And they go see her. And then she became a running character. Of she course. was on Saturday Night Live a couple times, too, while he was on Saturday chicken Night Live. Chicken lady was? Yeah, so was uh, his other character, Darrell. Well, chicken lady was only on once. They had one appearance at chicken lady on Saturday Night Live. It, she had her own show. It was the chicken lady show. <laughs> but Darrell appear- appeared a few times. Do you remember Darrell? Isn't it Daryl? No, it's it's pronounced Darrell. <laughs> he, was, he was the guy with uh, the ponytail. And yeah. he was just like the worst date and like just this pretentious, very yeah, good-willed, he... but just so Kinda pretentious like a and douchey and, and oblivious. And yeah, uh, 
that that was actually a great character too. That should have been a one note character, but right was always funny whenever you see him. Fun fact: in the late eighties, Mark McKinney actually voiced Dinah Blue in the English language dub of Japanese Sentai series Dinah Man. Oh, which yeah, Dinah Man. If you're not familiar, a Sentai series is like a Power Rangers show. You Similar. know, there's tons of those in Japan. That's what All that was. Sorts of them. So Mark McKinney was a Power Ranger in the 80s. That's pretty fucking cool. Uh, we discussed the, the guy that would crush your head. That was also McKinney. Mr. Tizik, I crush your head. I squish in your head. Excuse me, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, I, I love when he just goes off like on Businessman. Oh, oh Lord, what, what did you put your money in? I put oh, my Texaco. money in blah, blah, blah. So great. That was actually my introduction to Kids in the Hall. Some older kids uh, really? at my school, not much older, one year older than me. I was in seventh grade. They're in eighth, you know. And they're, well, no, I was probably in sixth. They were in seventh, something like that. They're uh, going, oh, I'm squishing your head. I'm squishing your head. And I'm like, what are you doing? Uh, and they're like, you've never seen that? And I'm like, no. And they're like, I'm squishing your head. And you're like, you're not funny. I, I I didn't get it. And yeah, like, it's on that. You it, never saw that before, and I'm like, no. And then most I likely saw it soon they after, weren't funny like, because they don't have the comedic timing of Mark McKinney. Yeah, of somebody that you know is good at that kind of shit. Um, recently he starred opposite Isabella Rossellini in the movie called The Saddest Music in the World. That's Was a, it a sad movie. Well, yeah. I mean, I say recently. It was 11 years ago. Uh, God, the years just fly. <laughs> that was during the Kids in the Hall run. It was the year I graduated high school, uh, 2003. Uh, it was a film directed by Guy... I'm M- sorry, I went 20 years ago, 21 years ago for some reason. <laughs> no, it was, a, it was a film directed by Guy Maiden, Guy Madden. Uh, oh, just another regular guy. Yeah, he's just trying to be another guy. He can't be the original guy. I'm the true OJ. And like most of Guy's films, uh, it's filmed in the style. It's filmed in a style reminiscent of 1920s film, uh, black and white. It, interesting, like you know, film scratches, and it, it, it's really it looks really cool. I would really like to see it. Yeah. Uh, he also did a one man show called Fully Committed from 2001 to 2002, in which he performed 40 different characters. This was live on stage. One man doing forty different characters. Yeah, the Eddie poli- Murphy, eat your heart out. One of the one of the police officers was one of those characters, right? I don't know. Yeah, he brought, I didn't he brought, see it for some reason. He brought. Bruce he only McCullough performed on it twice. He brought Bruce McCullough on stage to help him do that. Then it wouldn't know. be a one man show. It was a one man show plus Bruce McCullough for one scene. <laughs> I'm not really a man. <laughs> I just play one on TV. <laughs> Uh, he also co-created, co-wrote, and starred in the miniseries Slings and Arrows. Which Get was out a, of here. Yeah, it was a show about a theater company running a Shakespeare festival. Received critical acclaim. Supposedly, it's really good. Supposedly. I don't know why I'm being like so down on it right now. <laughs> but yeah, those policemen that you brought up, thats I love that. That's one of the most beloved sketches of Kids in the Hall. Oh yeah, you'd say so? Yeah, that's one of the most popular ones, but uh, they really were just like, I, I've heard them say like, you know, we don't, we just did it, like we just go out there and, and just basically talk to each other, stuff. yeah, yeah, just be 
two normal guys. And that's what people love. And, but it's like, then they just like think of the most random shit to talk about. Like, they're like, how would you describe me if I was to run <laughs> naked through, <laughs> th- down, through the fields? Like, I feel like that's the prototype for Reno 911. Like just two cops just oh, talking like regular unqualified guys. They probably they probably did take notes from that. Why didn't they ever have them guest appear? Yeah. That would have been amazing. Probably because they uh, they they couldn't get them to come down from Canada. They those cops appeared in everything too. They appeared in Brain Candy and they appeared in Death Comes to Town. What are those things you ask? We're gonna talk about it. In oh a yeah, well we'll get to that soon. Ish. Next, we have, as like I had said before, the whole troop considered the funniest of the group, uh, Kevin McDonald. He was the perfect guy to play a, an awkward, nerdy scientist, if you ask me. That's who he played in Brain Candy. Boom. There you go. Things I didn't see. Called it. <laughs> oh, Kevin McDonald is great. He also has done a lot of voice acting. Oh, a lot of voice acting. He's all over the place. Including Invader Zim. Invader Zim and Lilo and Stitch was are the two Invader that Zim? come to mind. The Almighty Tallest Purple. Oh, yeah. The oh, purple yeah. one with the purple eyes. And I, I grew up also um, in high school. I was a huge Jonan Vasquez fan before Invader Zim. I read his comics on Get With It. I'm a hipster. Uh, I'm not, but in that, I'm a Jonan <laughs> Vasquez hipster. Whatever you say, Nathan. You're the one incriminating yourself. In Here's your how it was. I had an, ways. I actually had an AIM screen name that said "Hipsters for Life," right? No, that was that more or less said like "Hipster for Jonan." Like it was like I was mocking uh, myself as one of the fans that Jonan's known to make fun of his own fans. Oh yeah, I was like yeah, but uh, yeah, dude, I was I was pretty stoked when I heard the voice of the Almighty Tallest and went, "That's Kevin McDonald. That's Kevin McDonald." <laughs> It's funny. Um, uh, also, he was Pleakley on Lilo and Stitch. Yeah, Pleakley, the one of the aliens. Yeah, the second in charge alien, like a very major character. Yeah, and absolutely. not only that, but he voiced Pleakley in every appearance of the character. Which it would have been. Not, I mean, I know to you that's like, oh, what one or two movies? But no, there's a whole animated series. Yeah, that he voiced for what sixty something episodes. And I they they did a couple probably home video sequels. You know, well that, that's why I said the sequel. Yeah. Which is everybody else. You know, like they had different voice actors doing them, but Kevin McDonald's like, no, I'll do it. <laughs> You're getting better with the Kevin McDonald impression. He was trying earlier in the day, and it just came out horribly well, wrong. <laughs> I'm only trying. I guess it's it's a little bit. It's kind of like William Shatner mixed with, you know, oh, and I can't do it's, it. It's more so when you go like this. <laughs> it's like it's like William Shatner on drugs. Here's something. Well, that's just basically William Shatner. So true. <laughs> but here's something that will blow your mind, Nathan. He was also on news radio with David Foley. Not one of the main characters, but he had appeared on it. The whole cast appeared on that spun out series, supposedly. Good. As uh, Dave Foley's old uh, high school goth band. Like Kevin McDonald looks straight like Robert Smith, dude. It, 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 really? I haven't seen it, but I've seen pictures and I would love to watch it. It looks awesome. Really? Really? Also, I was a big That 70s Show fan back in the day, and he was oh, Pastor yeah. Dave on That 70s Show. Yep. Uh, and like you had said when you pointed out, oh, my God, this Kevin McDonald. 
when uh when you said that every time i had seen him in anything that's like this would be me oh my god there's a guy with the kids in the hole <laughs> i didn't quite know his name by heart when i was oh my god that's that. scott thompson yeah <laughs> basically currently he stars as a co-pilot in the hulu series papillon which is about the crew of a commercial airplane papillon papillon i don't know Papillon. i take it as a comedy must be then, of course, there's Scott Thompson. Oh, Scotty boy. Uh, he currently does the Scott Free podcast. So, you know, if we're not enough for you, go if, check out Scott if Thompson. If one podcast isn't enough for you, you're afraid of commitment and you got to go find other podcasts to listen to to occupy your time once a week, apparently, is, is too fucking scarce for you, then you can go listen to the Scott Free podcast. Yeah. Um, also, things I want to bring back from last week. Uh, when we did Pinky in the Brain, I had wanted to mention, totally forgot to mention, to check out Rob Paulson's Talking Tunes podcast. No, you didn't. I'm I pretty sure you it. mentioned it. You sure? I think you did. You said something about it. I didn't know you had a podcast. Maybe that was just off Scratch the record. Scratch that. If- and it's kind of interesting. He was a little ahead of the curve there with that whole podcasting internet reaching out to the fans thing in the mid 1990s he ran this big interactive website Ooh. um it, it's it's so cool if you google this you can find a entertainment weekly article from 1995 about this saying like he had a twenty two thousand dollar computer or something to run oh, this site uh it was like he's even got a real time chat message board. <laughs> like it's it's so fucking nineties. Uh, it's like you got broadband connection. Okay. Yeah, they were like he's gonna sell Buddy Cole T shirts and merchandise there online. <laughs> what you can buy things online? That's for more than just downloading gifts of of naked women. So yeah, a lot of his popular roles. There was Buddy Cole. The gay socialite that owned his gay club yep. downtown, who was penthouse just... with Queen Elizabeth the second. Yeah, yeah, it was another one of his fucking uh, recurring roles. Yeah, Buddy Cole was often criticized for being like just a gay stereotype, but Scott Thompson always fought those allegations. And of course, you know there are people that act like that. Let them be them. I don't know. They. He definitely portrayed a lot of characters that weren't that stereotype, that were gay. So yeah, he. I mean, he portrayed them all. Yeah, so. it's, it's totally okay to let people like that have their fucking character, their flagship character. I guess he uh, also appeared on the Colbert Report. Ooh. I had no idea, dude, because I used to watch the Colbert either. Report religiously when I was living somewhere with cable, with somebody else that wanted to pay for cable. And then I was like, fuck that. I don't watch TV. <laughs> but I, I, I apparently had moved out before this happened because he was a correspondent for a little while that would go out on the field and interview people and stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah Not yeah. Scott Thompson, Buddy Cole. That's fucking cool, dude. I like that. And supposedly... Colbert was just oblivious to the fact that he was gay, which is great. Great character work on both their parts there. That's a good comedy dynamic. Yeah, he had an autobiography pop out. Scott Thompson co-wrote Buddy Babylon, the, auto, the autobiography of Buddy Cole in <laughs> 1998. Co-wrote that with Paul Bellini, who we're going to talk about in a minute. The great Bellini. Ooh, the great Bellini-Dini. But Scott Thompson, he also did a graphic novel. Did you know that? No. Like he 
wrote it or drew it? He wrote it. He co-wrote it at I least. I would have been more uh, impressed if he wrote it and drew it. That'd be pretty sweet. But, hey, everybody can't do everything. Uh, do you remember Says Danny you. Husk? Yes. The the exec at AT and Love. Yeah. Yeah. Which was a company that another one of his great sketches, Kathy and Kathy, which we'll talk about in one second. In just a second. One We're of my right favorite kids Kathy in the hall sketches. There was a whole graphic novel about Danny Husk. It was called The Hollow Planet. <laughs> really? I believe it was published by IDW, if I'm not mistaken. Well, good on IDW. Uh, yeah, and I would love to check that out. I didn't get a chance to read it, and that's fucking cool. There was actually, back to Buddy Cole for a second, there was going to be an animated series about Buddy Cole. They were talking about it back in 2006, but unfortunately, plans fell through, was he didn't that happen. popular, that character? It was that popular? It was one like... of the more popular ones. And I mean, here's the thing. They own the rights to their characters. Right. Um, Scott Thompson should. puts it as they signed one of the worst deals ever. To retain ownership of their characters. And that's why they don't get a lot of promotion and all that. But they own the rights to all those fucking characters. So they can do whatever they want with them. So that was his major, you know, character there. So why would that be bad for to have all the rights to it? He, what he was saying was the deal they signed was a horrible deal. But they signed it because that was what they could get. To keep rights of their character. Oh, okay. As we were talking about with uh, Danny Husk, an exec at AT and Love, there were also two female secretaries that worked there, Kathy and Kathy. One was Bruce McCullough, the other was Scott Thompson. One of my favorite. Depending on how you spell their name, it's gonna. Yeah, one with a K, one one with a C, one with a Y, one with an IE. But which one? Ah, the K had the IE. One's a genius, the other's insane. No, that's last week, man. They're not easy to sum up talking about them. They're just great layered fucking characters. Right. They're not one-dimensional fucking, this is what this character was like. It was a cabbage head that was a misogynist. Well, that's two-dimensional. But... And that was that's a great character also. But, you know, they're, they're not that easy to sum up. The reason those sketches were so great was because they inhabited those characters. Like the fucking Dark Elf dude. And <laughs> like the Dark Elf dude. Really and the Dragon it. Slayer. Really inhabiting their characters, their roles. I also like Bauer, Scott Thompson's stoner character. Ah, uh, yeah. One of the sketches I remember from being young, one of my first exposures to marijuana was through Kids in the Hall. Really? Um, Bauer was the stoner character that Scott Thompson played, and he was wandering around looking for weed everywhere, and eventually he runs into the devil and makes a deal with the devil. He's like, hey, I'm not going to sell you my soul, eh? And, uh, <laughs> and he's like, you don't have to. I just want that jacket. That's a really sweet jacket. So he trades his jacket. For, for the ability to be high forever whenever he wants to be. Oh. And then weed is growing out of his hair. He's Suddenly he's got these knotty dreadlocks with buds growing out of him. Hmm. <laughs> well, Scott Thompson co-wrote a lot of his sketches with a man named Paul Bellini. Oh, do tell. Who is this Mr. Bellini-Dini? Bellini! Do you remember Bellini? He was the... Slightly overweight man walking around in a towel. Never said anything. But yeah. He'd show up all the time. He, uh, I think it was their last episode, actually. He, 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 he spoke was dancing, the last words. Yeah, he, he was dancing on the... their graves and said they're finally done. 
Yeah. But wow, up to that point, he had never huh? spoke. They even had a contest to touch Bellini because the <laughs> networks <laughs> pressured them into a contest. So rather than giving out something substantial, they gave the opportunity to poke Bellini. I'm sure he was so happy and thrilled to be poked as such. He poked him with a stick, I'm sure. I think <laughs> they actually gave the guy who won like dinner with him or something. He got to hang out and all that. That's cool, though. But Bellini... Was he's another gay gentleman that apparently Scott Thompson knew from the bathhouses, and he would just be walking around in his towel, and Scott just seeing him walk around like just thought seeing him walk up wearing that towel was, was sexy? the funniest. Oh, no, it was funny. like that too, it's maybe. Humorous. But was one of the funniest things ever. So he lobbied to get him into the show and. It's one of the funniest running jokes. Like, I remember growing up, I had no idea what the fucking deal was with this fucking <laughs> chubby guy in a bath fucking towel walking up, wrapped around his waist. I don't know, but <laughs> but that shit made me laugh, and that's great. Uh, Maybe yeah. it's just so, like, random and out there, you know? It's sometimes, like, randomness, if it's at the right point, it's hilarious. Why doesn't he have a Scientology holiday? I feel like if anyone should, it should be Paul Bellini. A Scientology holiday or I feel a like, subgenius holiday? I feel like we should knight Paul Bellini. Right, wait, are, are we talking about Scientologists or, or subgenius? Did I say Scientology? You said Scientology. Oh my God, I meant yep, subgenius. I'm glad. I'm so glad I stopped this and made no, sure. No, fuck Scientology. I meant subgenius. Yeah, this is the two different things. So you want to officially, fair point, uh, knight. You, you want to you wanna knight. Canonized. Well, I mean, if anyone belongs up there with Sir H.R. Geiger and Sir Michael Crichton, I think it would be Sir Paul Bellini. I disagree. Ah, uh, come on, man. Do, Don't rain on this I would parade. Rather, Let me have this. I would rather knight any one of the five over Paul Bellini. But if we knight one of the five, that means we're not knighting the other four. Okay, so I, I'll make this trade-off with you. Let's... Let's knight Paul Bellini, but in honor of oh, the kids in the group yes, as a whole. Yes, that's what I'm saying. I feel like by knighting Paul Bellini... We're knighting all of them. Yes. Sure. And Paul Bellini. If that makes sense to you, <laughs> that convoluted mess, sure. So that's it. There's three people in the canon. Sir Michael Crichton, Sir H.R. Geiger, and a Sir Paul Bellini. And Sir Elton John. No, he was actually knighted. We oh, yeah. Real him. life knight. Okay. So the final episode of Kids in the Hall, uh, very bittersweet, but they actually did right by their characters and gave a few of them fond farewells. Uh, yeah. We didn't mention, uh, we didn't mention Armada, the fucking garage band. Oh, I can't believe we didn't. I love that, that too. That is great. And they get a nice little farewell there where they meet the angel of rock. Oh, yeah. Also, Buddy Cole gets a final sketch where apparently his bar is being sold and turned into a straight bar. Oh, that's horrible. But it's okay. He made it. He wrote an autobiography, got a job as a correspondent on the Colbert Report. Right. He's doing good for himself. Still writing back and forth to Queen Elizabeth. And they had a final, the final sketch of the series, not counting Paul Bellini dancing on the graves. Was the AT and Love sketch where the company shuts down and yes. Kathy and Kathy and that bitch temp Tanya have was it, their was it Tanya or Tammy? Tammy? It might uh, have been Tammy. Or no, Tammy maybe... or Tanya or something. Uh, 
they have their final sketch there and uh all the different kids come out at that moment in their alter egos that they have played at one time or another at AT and Love and uh All right, right. It's it's honestly a pretty emotional farewell. Really it's me here, man. But then in nineteen ninety six they ah! released their first major motion picture, Brain Candy. And I have not seen Brain Candy, so I can't really tell you much about it. But Nathan says it's fucking awesome. I can't believe you haven't seen Brain Candy. Yeah, it just it came out at a time uh, when I I was like, meh, yeah, whatever. It's pretty cool. It, it's not the most amazing comedy ever written, but it's a kids in the hall movie. You get to see them doing all sorts of roles. Well, I have to ask. Tons are they, of laughs. Is it like one specific plot line for the whole movie, or is it like a 90-minute sketch show? No, there's there's definitely a plot line throughout it, but they still seem to work. A lot of the characters. Different and... sketches. Yeah. Well, a couple characters make appearances, but for the most part, it's original characters playing out this, uh. this story. The whole movie follows this plot about a miracle drug, which now this really predicts shit 10, 11 years down the line, uh, how pharmaceuticals and depression drugs just become mainstream. And this is all about this drug that locks you in your happiest memory. So keeps you from being unhappy. And I want it. How much? It ends Shut up, up and take my money. It ends up becoming widespread, but of course it's pushed out before... It's properly tested and complications ensue. Uh, there is an alternate ending even you, that you can find where uh, Dr. Cooper, the creator of the drug, is kidnapped by this crazed activist portrayed by Foley, Dave Foley, who gets him to storm this military movement against the drug. However, unable to deal with the state of the world that the drugs left everything in. I'm not talking very well right now. I know speak English now. Good. Gooder. Gooder. Speak English now. Uh, Gooder. Grammar. Yay. The doctor ends up taking the drug himself, locking himself in his happiest memories of being this excessively rich and successful person. If this drug existed, would you take it? No. No. Would you be locked in forever? (laughs) But that ending, in a way... I like that. It's poignant. It ties it all back together. Yeah. And it's not very happy. But But wait, does the drug lock you in to the to to that spot forever? Into that happy place? Eventually. Eventually, cuz I just think like it would make more sense for it to wear off, you know, because then they can make more money by selling more to the same That's people. That's the problem. Just watch the movie. It's great. No. You know what? Just because you told me to watch it, I'm purposely going to not watch it. I'm just kidding. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it tonight. Well, then in 2010, I believe it was, uh, they reunited to do Death Comes to Town. uh, Epic miniseries event. Eight episodes depicting this dark murder mystery. What happens when death hops off a bus in a small town in Ontario? Shuxton. 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 Yes. Uh, It's pretty cool. It's not... What happens when Amazing. he comes to that town? He he kills people. <laughs> There's mystery solved. <laughs> some of it feels a little bit like they're trying too hard. Like the two guys that are smoking hand sanitizer. I don't know. Yeah, some of it though does seem like they're just trying a little bit too hard. 
and it's a little too outdated to be trying too hard. But the part of me that loves Kids in the Hall is utterly and absolutely satisfied to be able to watch an eight-episode murder mystery miniseries starring these five awesome fucking comedians yes. as plenty of fucking roles. And all their performances are top-notch. The jokes don't always hit as well as you'd hope them to. The one, but... one of the jokes in that that I just thought, like, I don't know why. It was so stupid. But to me, personally, it killed. Kevin McDonald was this older woman who was uh, a pizza delivery person. Yes. <laughs> and, like, right in the beginning, she, the guy tells her where to deliver the pizza. She's like, yes, right away. I'm on it. And then, like, she comes back three seconds later. She's like... Is this the address? And he's like, no, you just delivered it back to us. <laughs> I don't know why, but it, that killed that killed for me. I loved it. It's it, it's definitely worth a watch if you're a Kids in the Hall fan. Check that shit out. And if you're a Fairpoint podcast fan, we got a couple other things for you to check out. Oh shit! Checking shit out. Uh, we've been doing Tumblr a lot lately, and more and more and more coming soon. If you like art, if you like the type of topics we talk about. Go to fairpointpodcast.tumblr.com. You can see all sorts of art. There's Harold and Maud art. There's fucking Clerks art. There's fucking Kids in the Hall art, or there will be soon. Um, <laughs> Lots of awesome art on there is what you're Yeah, dude. At. Photographs, just all sorts of cool pictures. And if that's how you like to communicate and use Tumblr a lot, you can also use that as an avenue to get in touch with us. Right. Or, uh, you know, like the stuff. Do, do they like on Tumblr? Do you like photos? Or you you just follow. You follow. You follow. The, so it's, it's yeah. like a Twitter thing. Well, speaking of, at Fairpoint Pod, you know, follow us on Twitter. And we'll deliver you the same news that we give you on Facebook. That was, but in less characters. at Fairpoint Pod. Yes. At Fairpoint Pod. Yes. It's, it's Twitter. Twitter is everything that Facebook is and less. Exactly. So, so if you want more, check out our tw- – uh, not our Twitter. Our check out our Facebook. Uh, Facebook.com slash Fairpoint Podcast. Yes. That is where you're going to get the most updates. Uh, you'll know what the topics are ahead of time. You'll know what the banter points are ahead of time. Um, you'll get a, a lot of the pictures that we post on Tumblr, but not all of them. And links to anything else that we're if, – if, we're, if there's a lot of activity going on somewhere – you're going to get the link on Facebook. Right. Also, things that are going huge for us right now is our our YouTube channel. Subscribe there. Definitely watch some videos. We have whole videos up there. We have promo videos. We have uh, yeah, more other things soon. we have. More soon. More. Like, Plus more. Plus the more. YouTube, we're, we're really trying to put a bigger emphasis on that. So check it out. You can also check out my personal YouTube at YouTube.com slash Shaggy the Shaman. Now, oh, oh, look at you going. You know, don't expect too much. This is my personal channel. So you might not understand everything I'm uploading. A, a lot of it is old videos I made with my friends in high school, but uh, a lot of it is cool fucking live shows. I've got a live Coheed and Cambria show on there, Ooh, a live Dessa show on there. there. There's some cool shit on there. And uh, every, every single thing that you follow, like, or subscribe helps us out in the long run. 
We also will randomly have a feature episode on our SoundCloud page. Uh, again, search Fairpoint Podcast on there. Yeah, soundcloud.com slash Fairpoint Podcast. For a long time, we were hosting the RPG episode on there because that was the episode that crashed our servers. Right. And we were forced to take it down. But don't worry, we got that worked out. The episode's back up. You can find that episode on any of the premier locations where you can find our podcast. That They're goes all for there. Pod Bay, the Blackberry Network, um, a lot of fucking podcast directories, mainly of all the premier podcast directory, the iTunes. Uh, you can go there. You can subscribe. You can download episodes for free. You can leave us ratings. You can leave us reviews. You can leave suggestions, comments, all that shit iTunes, just search for Fairpoint in the little search oh, bar in yeah. the store, and it'll pop right up. And also on iTunes, you could find Nathan's other podcast that he does without me that I'm kind of a part of because I was in one episode and I'm about to be in another one. It's called Silf Radio. It's a Pokemon podcast. A Pokemon podcast because who doesn't fucking love Pokemon? I mean, you got to be a, a fucking some kind of jerk to not like Pokemon, right? Right. Uh, and at the time of this recording, there's only three episodes up, but we've got more? three more in the pipeline. Three I've more recorded, I'm... being edited. I've been saying this for a while now. We've been really busy. It's coming soon. Yeah, and I've decided I'm going to be on another episode now that I'm way more into Pokemon than I was at the time. Oh, it's done. It's done. Yeah, it's done. One other thing I wanted to mention um, – if you are a fan of Kids in the Hall or if you think you want to check it out, for any fan, you should check out and buy the Kids in the Hall Mega Collection, the whole series. It's only forty eight ninety nine on Amazon with free shipping. Get on that. That's six seasons and a movie. Five seasons. Five seasons and a movie. <laughs> Damn it, I want it to be six so bad. Ah, <laughs> uh, it'd be amazing. Yeah, do that. Support the Kids in the Hall. They deserve it. Well, think about it this way. You can buy individual seasons for 18 bucks, or you can buy all of it for 50 It's worth it. It's already, it's already, it's fiscally responsible to do it. From that what way. I hear, there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff. Lots of behind too. the scenes stuff. Also, there's unaired a, sketches. There's a documentary out there. Um, same guys, new dresses, which that's worth your money too. Yeah, check that one out. Probably on Netflix. I don't know for certain, but I'm certainly not going to fact check it. From the secret room, I'm Craig the Head Crusher Lewis, and I crush your head. I crush it. I crush it, you flathead, you. And I'm Nathan. It's because I got a cabbage for a head, isn't it, Capacer? And yes, that is why. We'll talk to you next time. Fair point, fair point, fair point podcast.